Hello, and welcome to the Letters from Our Fathers podcast, where we explore the actual history of America's founding fathers from their own written words and personal correspondence, but without modern partisan political ideologies. I am your host, Roman. Now let's learn some real history. All right. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. It's good to have you back here. It's good to be back. Recording another new episode, finally getting away from the best of episodes and getting back to my regular recording schedule. Slowly but surely, we are finally getting back there. Uh, This is going to be another short episode in lieu of uh, restarting my research and everything. I'm still in the process of doing all that and getting back up to speed there. And in this episode, I wanted to touch on something that I brought up very briefly in a prior episode about the Constitution of the United States, about how short the Constitution is specifically. Because, you know, one of the striking features of the Constitution, as I mentioned previously, is that it is very short. Uh, the tendency, you know, for some folks would be to, to make that thing incredibly long, lengthy, uh, in order to, you know, cover everything, you know, because, you know, so the federal government can have broad authority to do whatever, whenever, however, etc. Well, the, obviously, that wasn't the intention behind the Constitution of the United States. I mean, frankly speaking, if that's what the Founding Fathers wanted, they never would have fought a revolutionary war. They just would have stayed with King George, because that's exactly what he was doing. That's exactly what the British Parliament was doing. Whatever, whenever, however, etc. But obviously, you know, the fact that the Constitution is so short is very telling. It gives you a clue as to what the intent behind it was. And that was that the the federal, the general government, as they called it, what we call the federal government today, was supposed to be very limited. I've talked a lot about that, mainly in terms of the central power, the president of the United States. I I constantly lament the way that this country, the United States, that is, tears itself apart every four years trying to elect another lunatic to be president of the United States. And and when I say lunatic, I'm not talking about any specific individual. I'm talking generally speaking. I have a, a I have a, a general um, dislike for just about every single human being who has been president of the United States for the last hundred years or so, for varying reasons. Uh, I I just don't like them. I think they're they're not very good people, generally speaking. Uh, there's a few exceptions to that, but for the most part, I regard them all as being varying degrees of a lunatic. And there's reasons for that. You know, may I'll, I may, I may delve into that later. I'm not going to get into it right now. But I do, I do have a profound dislike for that, the way this country tears itself apart every four years. And I, I have said it before, and I'll say it again, part of the reason why the country does that, well, there's a lot of reasons. One is just ignorance, and another one is we're not following that constitution. Because if we were following that constitution, the president, I, I hate to say it, would not be very important except on issues of national security. That's basically it. I mean, he would have a few other responsibilities, too. Don't get me wrong. It's not just national security. But that would be the big-ticket item. But it isn't. I mean, when was the last time in any presidential election that national security was the big-ticket item that's talked about? Because I I honestly don't remember. You know, maybe the 1980s? Maybe. Some people would say, you know, the mid-2000s, but honestly, I don't even think, I don't think, I don't even think that was an issue then. I mean, it was, but it wasn't. It wasn't the primary thing that people were talking about, I don't think. Uh, And certainly recently it hasn't been. It's been other things. A lot of domestic issues. Uh, Domestic issues here and there, and, you know, people, you know, trying to um, work the system to get their freebies and their bennies and all the rest of it. And if you, you wonder why, you know, the United States has on occasion been caught flat-footed as in, as it pertains to national security, that's that's why. Uh, because it's not a priority for pretty much anybody who runs for president of the United States. It should be, but it's not. Because, you know, again, the Constitution has been kind of twisted into this. It's been, well, it's been, it's been kind of forgotten. It's been left behind. And instead, we, we 
have adopted this this new bizarro world way of doing things where domestic issues are run almost entirely through the central power, which is bizarre. It wasn't supposed to be that way. Because uh, if you read the Constitution, those kind of issues that we talk about today most commonly and in, in, uh, fr- from a federal government perspective, they're not mentioned in the Constitution at all, for the most part. And if it's not mentioned in the Constitution, guess what? It, it's not supposed to be handled by the federal government. It's just not. So that's why the Constitution is so short, because the federal government was intended to be limited, because frankly speaking, the Founding Fathers were scared to death that somebody was going to become President of the United States and try to run a tyranny through the federal government. So they had to keep that Constitution short. They had to limit the federal government. They had to. They didn't have a choice. Otherwise, they were going to doom this country to some god-awful fate. And they knew that. And that, and they, even even though they, they made the Constitution fairly brief and they, they kept it fairly limited, people were still scared to death of a tyranny rising up in the United States. They were terrified of it. You know how I know that? The Bill of Rights. That's how I know that. We've talked about that recently, too. You think they would have passed the Bill of Rights if they weren't scared to death of a tyranny rising up in the United States? No, they wouldn't have. They just would have left well enough alone. Because all the rights that are talked about in the Bill of Rights, people had. It's not like people didn't have those rights before the Bill of Rights were actually ratified. They felt like they had to put it in the Constitution to make sure that it was clear. There was no ambiguity. It was done in such a way that it couldn't be forgotten or ignored. And even though they did that, even though they they put the Bill of Rights in there, those rights are still under attack to this day. We've talked about that in recent episodes. So, I mean, the the Founding Fathers bent over backwards to, number one, limit the federal government, and then, number two, to reinforce very specific rights that they felt like just had to be articulated. And even still, even still, those rights are under attack. Isn't that interesting? You wonder why they did the Bill of Rights? That's why. Because, I mean, imagine if they hadn't done the Bill of Rights. Imagine it. Would we have a freedom of the press today? No. Would we have freedom of speech today? No, we wouldn't. Would we have the right to keep and bear arms? Absolutely not. That would have been done away with a long time ago. Would we have a Fourth or Fifth Amendment to protect us uh, against the, the various, you know, trampling of our rights that can happen when governments decide to get a little nosy and start uh, attacking the people? No, we wouldn't have that. That would have been that would have been cast aside probably about you know twenty thirty years ago, if not before then. Would we have an Eighth Amendment? Uh, would we have Would we have those rights? No, we wouldn't have those rights. Probably not. Not unless it was articulated. And even even still, even though we have the Eighth Amendment, it's still violated. That 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 constitutional amendment has been violated and broken more times than I can remember. And when we get to the point in time when I'm going to talk about the Constitution at length, I'm going to tell you exactly. I'm going to give you some very specific examples of how the Eighth Amendment is being violated right now, today, this very second. And it's not going to be what you think. I mean, some people think, well, you know, it's uh, these long prison sentences people get. No, that's not it. Or, oh, it's the death penalty. We can't have the death No, that's not actually the death penalty is constitutional. It's written in the Constitution, believe it or not. It's not those things. It's not It's not what you think it is. I'll probably catch a lot of people by surprise when I, when I give you some examples, because it's things people don't think about because it doesn't affect them, and it's not popular to talk about. It's not in vogue, and it's not somebody's cause celeb. It's it's not the uh, it's not the issue of the day for most people. The people who are affected by this, generally speaking, are largely a forgotten group of people. Just sad, but it's true. But even with the amendments in the Constitution, it's still violated, it's still broken. Just not as badly as it would be if we didn't have them in the Bill of Rights, you know, articulated. There are reasons why the Constitution is so short and so brief. It was uh it was always intended that the state constitutions were going to rule the day for the mo- on most issues. I'll say that one more time. The state constitutions 
were supposed to rule the day. Not the general constitution. It is the law of the land, but it's very limited. The state constitutions are supposed to rule the land, for the most part, on most issues. Because most issues are not talked about in that federal constitution. They're just not there. And some people think that that's a problem. I don't. Because, honestly, because if the general constitution has this overreaching authority to oppress people and to crush their rights, and it has broad authority to do whatever, whenever, however, how are you going to run away from that? The answer is you can't. But if one state or two states or ten states have these oppressive state constitutions, can you run away from that? Absolutely you can. Let's say the, let's say the state of South Dakota decides to get oppressive and decide, decides to pass all kinds of laws and constitutional amendments to just oppress the crap out of their people, however which way. Uh, in some particular kind of way. And they just, they, they're really just, you know, terrorizing the citizenry in South Dakota, the government is. Well, you can just drive across the border and move to North Dakota or drive south and go to Nebraska. It's that simple. But if you have that kind of situation happening in the federal government, you can't run away from it. The founding fathers knew that, so they made it short and brief and to the point and limited the federal government so that it wasn't going to be a problem. Of course, what they didn't fully understand is that in fairly quick order, you know, people were going to forget about the federal constitution and what it means, and they were going to throw it in the trash can, and they were going to start running the, um, they were going to start running the country by all of the weird machinations that, that really cross people's minds in any given day. And they were, pro they were going to do it various, various methods of doing that. We've talked about that before. And they were, they were going to forget about how important the Bill of Rights is. And we've talked about that recently too, about how the Bill of Rights used to be sacrosanct. I mean, it used to be un- touchable. It was that one thing, you do not cross that line, no matter what, in this country. That is the mark of an American. You understand and you respect the Bill of Rights in the Constitution of the United States. That's gone, for the most part, in this country. People have forgotten it. Not not everybody. There's a lot of us who still appreciate it, and there's to a lot of people like myself, and probably to you, it is still sacrosanct. You don't touch it. But to a lot of people, it's just uh, it's just a bunch of random words scribbled down on some paper somewhere. So let's just run it through the shredder and uh, make some confetti out of it. And we see that, like I mentioned, with the Eighth Amendment, we see it. I see it anyway. I don't know if everybody else sees it. I sometimes wonder if anybody else even notices that one. But we definitely see it with the First Amendment. We see it with the Second Amendment, and so on and so forth. We see it a lot. And you know, it's not hard to really make a defense for the Bill of Rights because it's so. Again, it just like the Constitution itself, it's very short. I mean, you can sit down and, I mean, you could fit the Bill of Rights on the back of a cereal box. I can understand that people might forget about it or try to ignore it if it was just, if it was like written like the terms and conditions of your cell phone contract, but that's not how it's written. And it's very basic and very, very easy to understand. Well, to anybody who doesn't want to try to manipulate it and twist it into something that it's not. But uh, to most of us, it's easy to understand. And, you know, that kind of dovetails with something else that I've talked about, you know, I, I've mentioned in episodes previous, this was quite a few episodes ago, how there's a certain brand of character in the United States that likes to try to make everything a federal issue. Everything has to be a federal issue to those people. It's not good enough that their state is able to do something or not do something. They have to make it a federal issue so that everybody has to live with it. Now, why people have that tendency is a bit of a mystery on the one hand in some in some regard, but on the other hand, it's not. The, the reason why there's motivation to do that is because, again, the long arm of the tyrant. People don't like the idea of just being able to crush and oppress a small group of people in just one state. They want to be able to do it to everybody, all 320 million Americans. They want to be able to oppress them all. So it's not good enough to them that they have something done in one particular state. They have to apply it everywhere. 
so that nobody can run from it. You can't run from it. You can't hide from it. You are just stuck. That's why people want to make everything a federal issue in some cases. Not in all cases, but in some cases, that's why. Otherwise, just, you know, find a state that you like, move there, and find a group of people that, that are, are of like mind and pass it in the state constitution and have your state do that. There's states that are very unique in that regard that have, you know, specific laws about specific things that other states don't. You know, property rights vary depending on what state you live in. Some states have better property rights laws than other states. And if you're if you really like your property rights, then just find a state move there that has really good pro property rights laws. And that, that's the case for just about everything. Uh, it's not just property rights laws. It's other things, too. You know, for, for people who are, you know, big Second Amendment supporters, you know, the well-regulated militia, obviously there are certain states in the Union you just don't want to live in. Now, technically, the Second Amendment is supposed to be the law of the land. But again, because people are trying to chisel away at that thing, some states actually honor the Constitution and some states don't. Just like... Um, you know, the Eighth Amendment that way. I mean, there's some states that are just fairly oppressive about that kind of thing, and then there's some states that just aren't. I find that that's more a problem with the, the general government, though, than it is the states. The states tend not to violate the Eighth Amendment so much as the, the central power does. And again, I, w I will provide examples at a later date. I have them roll. I'm not going to, I just want to get, I don't want to get bogged down in a discussion about that. It has to do with excessive fines and penalties, though, mostly. Not so much cruel and unusual punishment, but excessive fines and penalties. That's, that's the direction that I'm talking about with the Eighth Amendment. Why, Roman, whatever do you mean? Well, keep listening to the podcast. You'll find out exactly what I mean. And again, nine times out of ten, this is not something that applies to you. Like, 99% of the American population has not had that problem applied to them. This is a very small group of people, but I pay attention to it because everybody should be treated the same, regardless of who they are, uh, under the law. But, you know, this, this, this problem we have of misinterpreting that short constitution that we have, or misunderstanding it, is a, is a very serious problem in this country. Uh, as simple as the Founding Fathers tried to make that thing, as basic as they tried to make it, as brief as it is, it still is a huge stumbling block for a great many Americans. And part of it is, again, people just don't like the idea that the, the central power doesn't have that much power. They don't like it uh, for whatever reason. They want to be able to reach into that thing and, and manipulate it and affect all 320 million Americans instead of going state by state. Because it's easier to just do it at the federal level than it is to go state by state, right? Yeah, but that's not the system that we have. Again, this isn't a democracy. This is a republic, and it's made up of a union of states. There is another thing that, that, that happens with that brief constitution. People get frustrated with it. People get frustrated that the constitution does not address a specific kind of thing. And instead of just admitting, well, the Constitution doesn't address that, let's move on. Maybe we go to the state Constitution and see if it addresses it, and if not, maybe we, maybe we address it at the state constitutional level. No. Instead, what they do is, is they try to treat it like, well, the Constitution is short, but it should be longer, so why don't we put some blank pages behind the Constitution and, and make it a fill-in-the-blank Constitution? Do you ever get the feeling that the Constitution of the United States is a fill-in-the-blank Constitution? Because I get that feel, I get the feeling that the that certain people try to make it that it's not supposed to be that uh, the founding fathers did not create a fill in the blank constitution, but a lot of people try to make it that because again there is this tendency to want to reach out and affect everything and everybody instead of just dealing with it on a state level. It's really it's really quite striking the tendency of people to want to do that. And you can, I mean if there is a national issue that really needs to be addressed in that constitution that's not there, you can pass a constitutional amendment and change it. That's been done before. It's been it's been done a few dozen times, right? So, well, 
Not if you count the 10 as really one movement that was really kind of all ratified at the same time, but you get the idea. It's been done a lot, right? That amendment, to, that amending the Constitution, the problem is, is that it takes too long. It's too difficult to do. But then again, that's the whole point. It's supposed to be hard to amend that Constitution, so we can't just change it on a whim. Uh, there's the, therein lies the other problem with the American people. They, they don't, there's a lot of them that don't like that the Constitution is short, and there's a lot of them that don't like that it takes too long to change it. They're impatient. And this is the very thing the Founding Fathers were trying to protect us against, this impulsive nature that people have to want to just change things with the wind. Wind starts blowing in another direction, let's change the Constitution. Constitution is too short, well, let's add a few blank pages and start filling that sucker in. I mean, it just it doesn't work that way. So what is this Constitution that we live with? It's very limited. It's very short. It's very direct. And it's very difficult to change. And all of that is very deliberate and specifically done for very, very good reason. But it's not supposed to be a fill-in-the-blank constitution. That's not, that's, not, that's not what it's there for. And it's not meant to cater to everybody's whims. There's a lot of things that I would like to see in that constitution that aren't there. But I'm not about to set, about, set down a road of trying to get some kind of a, a legal interpretation of the constitution that's based on a pile of crap and start writing things into the constitution that aren't there. That's not what I'm all about. If it's not there, it's not there. And if I feel like, you know, it needs to be amended, then I got to go down the, I got to walk down the road of trying to get that done. That's how this works. You know, that Constitution was not created to be easily changed or broadly interpreted to mean a lot of varying, a lot of things that aren't written on the pages. It's really meant to just be taken, you know, literally for what it is and as it's written. And that's the whole point. It's like the, you know, it's a famous example of that is, you know, the separation of church and state. It's not in there. It's not in the Constitution, but it's just been written in there like a fill-in-the-blank Constitution. They basically put a blank line on the First Amendment to the, to the United States Constitution and just wrote that in there, separation of church and state. It's not there, but that's ba legally, that is, what, that is what has happened to the Constitution. They just wrote it on there, essentially. Not, not literally, but figuratively. They just, they just pulled out the First Amendment, added a blank line, and wrote that on there in a court case. But those words do not exist in the Constitution. And how many people know that? There are people in the United States, a great many people, who actually literally believe that separation of church and state is written in the Constitution of the United States. It's not there. And that, that, that phrase about, you know, Congress shall make no law respecting the establishment of, of a religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof, it doesn't mean separation of church and state. That's not what that means. You know how I know that? The Founding Fathers, they brought religion, the ones who were religious, which was about 99% of them, they brought religion to just about every single thing they did in the United States Congress and in the state houses. John Adams is a perfect example of that. I've talked about this before. He assisted in a draft of the uh, the original Constitution for the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, and he wrote, he basically intertwined, uh, this is the way I interpret it based on what I read. Now, it was changed a little bit afterward, and it watered some of this down, but he essentially intertwined his religion and the state together and made them practically one and the same. I'm not making that up. I'm going to read it to you eventually on this podcast. So get ready for that. I'm going to do a whole section on separation of church and state and that it's basically just a big pile of crap. It's made up. It doesn't exist. It's not in the Constitution. But that's one example of the fill-in-the-blank Constitution that is not supposed to be fill-in-the-blank. And it's, it's out of this frustration of the limitations that are placed on the federal government. People get frustrated that the federal government can't do more. So they just start writing crap in there. That doesn't exist. It's short for a very specific reason. 
It's supposed to be frustrating to change that thing. It's supposed to be very difficult. It's supposed to take a large number of states and people behind it to ratify an amendment. And we've got to stick to that. We got to we got to get away from this this whole let's just read some crap into the constitution that's not there. We got to stop it with that. Because the Founding Fathers didn't want that. If they wanted that, they would have made it a lot easier to amend the Constitution. Again, if we lived in a democracy, it would only take half the states to ratify an amendment. But it, it takes more than half. We're going to talk about that when we get there. But it, it, you can't do it with half. You can't. Just like, again, if this were a democracy, the president would be elected by popular vote. He's not. Or she is not. Whoever the case may be. They're not elected by popular vote, and that was done deliberately. Not because the Founding Fathers were some kind of tyrannical or stupid, but because they were very intelligent and they were trying to prevent a tyranny. You want a tyranny? Have a democracy. It doesn't take long for democracy to turn into a tyranny. A tyranny of the majority. And that's the same as a tyranny, ladies and gentlemen. The short constitution, the the brevity of that document, the limitations placed on that document and the central power were designed to prevent that kind of thing from happening. They were designed, it was designed to be a republic, not a democracy. It was designed to prevent tyranny, not create one. And it leaves a lot of power to the state constitutions. Now, does that give the states a little bit of room to sometimes run away with themselves and do something stupid? Yes, it does. It absolutely does. But what would you, again, what would you rather have? A few states running around doing something stupid or an entire country doing something stupid and everybody suffering for it? I'd rather have a few states doing it. You've got 50 opportunities in this country, 50 opportunities for people to do the right thing and to do the wrong thing in their state constitutions and their state laws. I like those odds a lot better than just one central power and one constitution that just rides roughshod over the American people. And all it takes is one mistake to just screw everything up for everybody. I don't like that at all. That's not what this country is supposed to be. It's not supposed to be governed by stupid. The beautiful thing about this country is if one state does something stupid, you can leave. You can pack up your crap and move over to the next state. That's the whole point. But if we try to make everything a federal issue, if we try to expand that federal constitution to be a fill-in-the-blank constitution where it just does everything and the state constitutions are effectively null and void, you have nowhere to run. You've got nowhere to go. If somebody does something stupid with that constitution, it's over. And then we're just living like every other tin-pot dictatorship democracy that's ever lived in the history of the world. We, got, we can't be going down that road. The states are supposed to be independent. That's why they declared their independence. The Declaration of Independence makes that very clear. I'm paraphrasing again because I don't have it right in front of me. These colonies are, and of a right ought to be, free and independent states. Plural. Not a free and independent state, singular, but free and independent states, plural. You have to really actually pay attention to the words to understand that document. States. Independent. Plural. In other words, every single state is supposed to be independent of the other. Joined together in a union and represented in the central government. That's how that works. And the central government is not supposed to be the dictator of them all. That's not how that works. That's why the Constitution is as short as it is. So if you're ever curious why you can fit the Constitution of the United States on a single piece of paper, a large piece of paper, I, I actually have it. The entire Constitution on a poster. It's like a 3 by 5 poster that hangs on my wall. It fits. It's very tiny writing, but you can actually read it if you, if you squint your eyes and, and get really close to the thing. You can actually read it off the page. That's how small that Constitution is. That's how short it is. Pretty spectacular, if I do say so myself. And that's and the re, again the reason why it's so short is because it wasn't intended to govern the country alone. The state constitutions play a huge role in that, a huge role. 
Because And why is that? Why did the Founding Fathers want most of the power at the state level? Because that's where the people are. It's the place closest to the people. And this country is, quote, we the people of the United States, end quote, instead of we the benevolent dictators of the central power. Because if, if the federal constitution was as broad and as large and all-encompassing as some people want it to be, that's how the constitution would be written. We, the benevolent dictators of the central power, in order to form a less perfect union, so on, so forth, etc., etc. But that's not what the Constitution says. Thank God it doesn't say that. But if you think there's not people out there trying to make that happen, you're delusional. I see it every single day, because some people just can't help themselves again. The lust that these people have for the tyrant is almost insatiable. So let's make sure that our, our fellow countrymen and our friends abroad... In, in countries outside the United States. And we do have a lot of friends abroad, by the way. There's a, there's a lot of people international to the United States that understand this. And, you know, they look at the American Constitution, they, they, perhaps they read it, and they, they say, wow, this thing really is short to the point, and there's a, there's a lot of protections in there, especially in that Bill of Rights. There's a lot of protections in there for the people. Now, we've got a lot of really good friends overseas that um, that understand the value of the Constitution of the United States better than some Americans do. But thank goodness we still have a lot of Americans here that understand it as well. It's the reason why we still have it. The Constitution, yes, is under attack every single day. The Constitution, yes, has been treated like a fill-in-the-blank Constitution in a great many ways, yes. But it's still there, and it still largely holds up, because there's a great many people in the United States that still support it, still understand it, like uh, the good folks, the good folks out there who listen to this podcast, I'm sure you you folks understand. I'm kind of preaching to the choir, but perhaps I'm adding a little bit of a different perspective that you haven't heard before. Maybe it inspires you to uh, communicate this to your your friends and your family. Um, we all have a we all have a little bit of a job to do in that regard. Is to you know if if any, anybody ever gets curious about why that Constitution is so brief and so short, this is why. And why doesn't the Constitution talk about everything? Why doesn't it cover this issue and that issue and all these other little issues? It was never intended to be that. Look to the states for that kind of thing, not the general constitution. I would, I believe me, I would, I would like nothing more than to get the, uh, the the general constitution, you know, read the way that it's supposed to be, literally, and get the the central power focused again on America's enemies abroad, instead of trying to focus on every little micro level domestic issue that it's trying to focus on, because then it just gets distracted. The central power just gets distracted. Trying to chase all these little problems around, it's like whack-a-mole. Instead of letting the states just, let the states deal with that crap, and the and the central power just deal with defending the country, for crying out loud. This country has enemies longer than my arm. You could You could write a list of enemies, and they just stretch out far and wide. Let the central power focus on that. My, I, I, I'm always bothered by that, the way this country ignores its foreign enemies. It's had that problem for quite a while now. The one exception to that was perhaps the Cold War. Uh, the country seemed to be very focused on that enemy. Uh, but aside from that, that particular period of time, the country, this country is very prone to distraction. And like I said, it's been caught flat-footed on more than one occasion because of it. It really has. And people suffer greatly for that, and, and it could be, it could get worse. And I, I have a great concern about that because my, uh, I think our goal should be to make this country as safe as possible from enemies abroad. Because, uh, you know, guess what? Those two oceans are not going to protect us anymore. That's not how this works anymore. Just like I, I say routinely, as much as I am suspicious of a standing army, in this day and age, we have to have one. We don't have a choice. If we want to defend this country and our allies, we have to have a strong standing army. I don't like it, I don't want it, but we have to have it. Just don't have a choice. 
Just like, again, you know, some people like to sit around and play pretend and pretend like those two oceans are going to protect us. No, they're not. That stopped being a thing a long time ago. And the problem is the federal government, as long as it's focused on all these little domestic distractions, it's never going to be able to focus on that. It's not going to happen. And national security is one thing that actually is talked about in the Constitution. That is the purview of the federal government. And it's the one thing It's the one thing that they don't do very well these days. Uh, isn't that interesting? Because they're too busy doing all this other little crap. Um, they, like I said, it's just it's too many distractions. we got to focus on the real deal here. So I hope you uh, found this episode perhaps informative, talking about, you know, the, the brief nature of the federal Constitution, why it is that way. And, you know, again, that it is, it's not supposed to govern the country unto itself. It's supposed to share that responsibility with the state constitutions. That's why there's not a lot written in that federal constitution. There's just not a lot covered in there for that very reason. The state constitutions are supposed to cover that. But again, yes, I hope you enjoy this episode. I, I hope to see you again on the next episode. I'm really hoping that the next episode is going to be a long farm episode return to back to the letters uh, that we uh, that we were working on previous before my uh, schedule got disrupted. I, I definitely look forward to that because frankly, I enjoy doing the letters a lot more than doing the short form podcasts that I do to kind of uh, give myself some breathing room to uh, to do the research and spend the time that I need to do that. I hope you'll join me back on the next episode of the podcast so we can get back into the letters and talk more about what the Founding Fathers actually wrote down in those letters and so we can understand exactly what they intended to do, why they did what they did, and how they did what they did. And with all that said, this is Roman signing off. Thank you. Thank you.